Hello everybody, if you haven't made your way in, find your way to a seat. It's so good to see you at Living Hope Belfast tonight. Can I invite you all to stand to your feet? We're going to begin our service by worshipping together. The grave has no 
Come. 
because you think I need a few seconds. No, I'm all right. I'm a young, fit man. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Church, there's um, a few things that we want to make you aware of. Um, the first of which is actually that 
at every service, after the service, we, um, we have a prayer team available for anybody who would like prayer. That's prayer for anything. Maybe it's something you've been struggling with for a long time. Maybe it's something that you feel has been spoken um, or something that's happened during the service. If you want prayer for anything, the team will be out there in the foyer. You'll see them with their little lanyards on that say prayer team. And church this week, we have so much going on. There's so much happening that we, we need help for, we need volunteers for. And so if you are free, we would be so appreciative um, of your help this Let's start with, yes, so um, this Tuesday night we have our Maids of Honor, we have our women's event, um, and so if there's any men who are available to help serve on that night, then you need to be free from about 7pm, but regardless if you're available at all, um, just see Pastor Matt at the door on the way out. The same applies for the following night, um, except it's the men's event, and so we need help from any ladies that are available, so if you're available that night, from about 7 p.m. onwards then speak to Pastor Matt at the door. On Thursday night we have our Winter Wonderland that we're running for all the kids that have been involved in kids church um, in kids space uh, whatever else has gone on in church throughout the year um, and so if you're available to help with that on Thursday night um, I think we're looking people from about 5, is that right? So from 5 p.m. and then that event runs uh, like 6 to 8, yeah. So there's so much happening. We're, we'll have bouncy castles, there's um, like a pet and farm thing coming, there's fire pits, there's face painting, there's so much going on. Um, so we really do need a lot of help. So if you're available, again, speak to Pastor Matt at the door, see uh, Rebecca Hughes, who is our children's worker, and that will be great. On Friday night, we have our youth Christmas dinner. Um, so again, if you're free from about 7 p.m., see Pastor Matt. Um, we need help with serving at that too. Um, and then just a few things that we want to make you aware of. Actually, do you know what? We need help as well. One final thing, after tonight's service, if you're available to stack chairs after the service, all we need is chairs stacked in uh, tens and then just leave them in the hall here uh, so we can get set up for the things that are happening this week. Next Sunday, we have a few special services. We have our carol services happening next Sunday, and so in the morning, uh, the nativity will be happening um, as part of our carol service. We'll, have, we'll be serving mince pies, shortbread, tea and coffee at both services. Um, so that's at our 10.30, and then at 6.30 p.m., we have the live community choir coming too. Um, so both will be really great services, and we really encourage you to come along and get involved in those and invite people as well. There's actually going to be a family photo booth available next Sunday too, so um, if you want to get a wee picture with your family or whoever it is, then we encourage you to make use of that. And we are doing the carol singing on Christmas Eve again. Um, and so if you would like to come carol singing with us around the community, then if you could see Stephen Francie on the way out, you just have to be here for 5.45 on Christmas Eve, um, and then we're going to go around the community and we're going to carol sing. So if you're available for that, that would be amazing. That is everything. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Matt, who's going to come, and he's going to bring the word. Church, could you show our appreciation for Pastor Matt? <laughs> Thank you for coming back. 
Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. It's great to see so many people out. Um, we've actually kept the heating on for an extra half an hour tonight. So we appreciate it. So, okay. So, it's, uh, so we've kept it on. So uh, keep you warm and stuff. So you can show your appreciation. The offering bucket's out in the foyer. Now, okay. I'm, joking. Uh, I'm only joking. Some of you are like, no, you're not. <laughs> That's good. Uh, we try and do loads of Christmas over the years. As, uh, try to help as many people out as we can. Uh, and sort of purpose of the church is to provide help and hope. And um, as most people know, we have the charity that runs alongside uh, the, the church. And uh, the charity allows us to apply for some grants and some funding for the stuff that we do. Uh, to run the minibus and the van and all the stuff that we do throughout uh, the year as we help people. And obviously, coming up to Christmas every year, we try and raise, we, we say it's about £3,000, probably closer to four, four and a half thousand pounds every year, uh, just to do the hampers, the presents, the winter wonderland, everything that the knocks off the photo booth, which I've just found out about now, just sent out. And so, obviously, that's how we've got to pay for that now as well, haven't we? So, yeah, so that as well. Uh, so, but we don't mind that. We don't mind that because it gets people into church and, and it helps people out and everything. And so, on Friday there, uh, everything we do is by faith when it comes to this. And so, on Friday there, we were sailing a bit close to the wire. Uh, financially as far as the money goes for the charity which is nothing new and stuff because we've just found over the years that God always provides and as you sat with Paula and had a conversation with her on Friday morning about some of the stuff that maybe we weren't going to do in case the money doesn't come in because we believe as a church we should be generous givers but we should be wise stewards as well we shouldn't just take the church into our unnecessary debt and stuff so we'd sat and chatted said we were going to do this, and then we were in Tesco's on Friday afternoon doing the wee bucket collection. We got a phone call from a trust in England called the, the Trumark Trust, who had, uh, had, had sent an email through to say, could, could, could I phone them? And usually when that happens, it's because I want more information and stuff. So I phoned uh, the, the lady up who was the secretary of the trust, and she said the trustees had had... Uh, a meeting wrote to the back in September. Trustees had had a meeting recently, and they like what we do here, and they like to give us five thousand pound. So I just saw, I just fantastic, just uh, <laughs> so I said to her, I said, he said, he said, you, I love phone calls like this. She must have thought I was a weirdo, like you know, but <laughs> and I know you're thinking she doesn't know. Yeah, yes, I know, and I just thought, God is good. Yes, that's what it is. I, I love what we get to do. I mean, we talk about this as a staff and the people that volunteer. I love what we do. I love what we get to do and stuff because God always meets a need and we get to bless others. We don't keep the money and say, you know, there we go. That's a bigger Christmas bonus for the staff. We don't do any of that. We just raise the level of blessing others. And I just think that's such a great thing because of the way that God... Uh, blesses us. So I just wanted to share that with you um, uh, this evening. We're continuing on with our series in Matthew. If you're here this morning, an excellent word from Tim Bailey on the, the wise men. And so I, I'm going to jump back a little bit into chapter one because we're working our way through Matthew, but obviously we didn't want to preach on the Christmas story when we started back in September. 
Uh, some people would have liked that because I think Christmas should start in September. I don't believe Christmas should start in September. I believe it's in December. And so therefore we thought we would do this at this time uh, to sort of just take a look at uh, the, we call it the Christmas story. And the Bible doesn't call it the Christmas story. It doesn't call it that, but we call it uh, that. But it's really the story of Jesus' birth and just before his birth. And really the application to us today uh, on that. And in chapter 1, if you read anything of Matthew, uh, the start of chapter 1 is a genealogy. And just of the, it was so important for Matthew to say to people, this is, you know, who they came from. Uh, not, not where you came from, but who you came from, your generations of the people that were your descendants and, and that. And Matthew does that, and a few dodgy characters in there, we looked at that, thought if you were trying to prove that who you are as the, the son of God, there may be some names left out. All of us have got people in our families, you know, we don't talk about, you know, the people, yeah, you're thinking of them now, do you know what I mean? You're thinking, yeah, the, the mad aunt or the crazy uncle. Or, or that and stuff and so that was the that was the line of descendants that, that came through uh, and so as we move on in chapter one it, 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 the angel appears to Joseph uh, because obviously it, it, the characters the main characters in the start of this story is not just Jesus but also Joseph and Mary uh, because God now is in the business of sending his son to be born uh, and it's described as the incarnation and there were so many miracles in chapter one that if you were writing to prove who Jesus was he says you would look at it and say the virgin birth and the incarnation and this this baby is going to grow up to save people from their sins you would look at it and say how unrealistic is this or how untrue could this be unless it was true uh, unless it was absolutely true, it was fact, you would look at it and say, why would you go through that, the, the, the incarnation and the other stuff that is talked about, the miracle of the virgin birth and all the stuff that would uh, pose questions and, and, and question marks for people as they read this, unless it was actually true. Uh, and so this is what uh, is happening here with the story. We know just to explain that the incarnation of God becoming a man to live among us and then die for us it is central to the christian message you cannot avoid it and tonight we focus on the one word that sums this up and it's found in verse 23 and you would have heard it at christmas time it was just emmanuel which simply is three words that which simply means god with us and that name only appears three times in the bible but the great truth of god with us saturates the Bible from Genesis to Revelation because God desires a relationship he desires that we would worship him and worship him alone uh, and you know that that's really what the story of the Bible is about it's about God and his people and for you know the Old Testament focus on a group of people but the New Testament focuses on individual people and all of us here tonight are the individuals that lives have been changed by knowing God through his son Jesus Christ or, or we're here because there is some interest or there's something questions that we have and, and that and, and, and somebody said this they said if this is a, if we could condense the truths of Christmas into only three words these would be the words God with us he it says it's a simple yet most powerful statement 
that Matthew writes at the beginning of chapter 1, the beginning of his gospel, that almost tonight, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what we're going through, no matter the trouble, the tragedies we've experienced, the difficulties that we've got, all the other stuff going on, they still stand as profound and as true and as certain as they were when they were spoken. God with us, whatever it is you're going through, whatever's happening in your life, you know, it says God with us, that God is with you. Uh, all the way through that everything that you are facing. So here in Matthew 1, we're looking and seeing these words. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You can see the characters in this story already. I mean, poor Joseph, you know, pledged to be married. He's going to marry Mary, and Mary discovers that, that she is pregnant, and Joseph realizes, hey, I'm not the father. And she pulls off this would-be to Joseph, this yarn, in a sense, this story of, well, you know, I haven't been with a man and I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now us men, we're sort of, we already know, we're thinking, no way, says, I know what she's done, she's away, let's get rid of her and stuff. And, you know, and, and Joseph, he says, because he's an honourable man, he, he says he considers this, but then the angel of the Lord appears to him and said, hey, this is all part of God's plan. This is all part of what God is up to. He is sending his son, Jesus, he gives him his name, to name him Jesus, but then he gives him his purpose as well. And what I love about that line that he says there, just in that verse, and we'll just go back to it, he says this, he doesn't say he will save his people from sin. He says he will save his people from their sins. It's such an individual thought, isn't it? It's such an individual application to a person's life. Not just suddenly covered by everybody that, you know, I'm not as bad as she is and she's worse than he is. And, and all of these people have got all these things stacked up against them. It just gives him the purpose of why Jesus is coming. He will save his people from their sins. Whatever it is that you have done, whatever it is that I have done, and he says, what an applicable message for us this evening. He says, this is what he's going to do. He's going to save his people from their sins. So there's no comparison then. There's none of it where I can look at other people and say, you know what, I'm better than they are. Or, you know, they do something, I hear a story, and I think, oh, I would, that wouldn't be me. I wouldn't catch me doing that. Oh, they got caught out there and stuff. And, and that's the way we judge people, isn't it? And as I read this verse, I thought to myself, I thought, as he gives that purpose, he says, there isn't anywhere for any of us to hide. 
He says it's such an individual thing that it's for your sin. He said your sin, it, it's individual application that says, you know what, it's just between me and God. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. And Matthew writes his words, and as Matthew writes his gospel, he says two of the greatest promises of scripture are contained in the beginning of his letter, but also the end of his letter as well, because here in verse 23, as we look at this evening, he simply says this, what a promise. God with us, Emmanuel. It says, what a promise. But if you jump to chapter 28 and the last verse of Matthew, you see the other great promise that applies to us this evening when it was spoken, which is this, and it's spoken to the disciples before they go out and do the, the work, the mission that Jesus has given to them. He just, he just gives his second great promise. He says, I am with you always. Wow. I mean, when you think about this, as, us preachers, you know, we could use a thousand words to say what could be said in ten. You know, preachers are like that, aren't they? Some preachers like that here, you know what I mean? It says, you know, use a thousand words to say because you want to... But here, three words, God with us, the end. Oh, I am with you always. I am with you always. Five words. It says eight words to describe two great promises of scripture that are the bookends of the, of the gospel of Matthew that give us the encouragement tonight. Warren Wiersbe writes this, he says, what a tremendous assurance I'm with you always. Here he's called Emmanuel, God with us, but in Matthew 28, he reaffirms that name, God with us, by saying, I'm with you always. He's with us through his spirit, in his word, by his providential care, by his divine presence. It's the promise that has encouraged and enabled messengers of Christ down through the years. It's your encouragement tonight. God is with you. I am with you always. Oh, but I don't feel it. And said, so you're not supposed to always feel it. You're not supposed to always feel it. You're supposed to stand and hold on to that truth, the two truths that are there, that are simply the beginning and the end of the Gospel of Matthew. God is with you and says he is with you always. As somebody described, he says, it's the light of Christ that surrounds you, the love of Christ that enfolds you, the power of Christ that protects you, the presence of Christ that watches over you. Wherever you are, Christ is. That's the question once, we shared this before. But he says, well, where is God? And I thought, that's a very interesting question because the response was, well, where isn't God? Well, where isn't he? He says, in your grief, in your hardship, in your trials, in your troubles, he's right there. He says, why? Because I read these promises of the word and it simply says it's not just applicable to those who read it at the time, it's applicable to us tonight as we are here. He says, God with us, I am with you always. Whatever it is that you are going through, whatever it is that drew you to church this evening, to hear a message that, that we're looking at the Christmas story, but the heart of the Christmas story is this, is God sends his son because he wants to, the world to know, because this was completely foreign to the Jews. I mean, God was a God that you worshipped in distance. You offered sacrifices at, at several times of the year. It was a distant thing. There was no nearness at all. There was nothing like that we would have today when we can come and we can pray. And it's the personal relationship that we have with him or we can have with him. 
He says, there wasn't any of that. So Matthew comes out and straight off the bat here, he says, this is the name you're giving him, he's Jesus. This is his purpose. But this is the truth that people need to understand, that, that, that God is, is, is coming, he's with us. Of all the things he could do, he says he, he's becoming with us. He's becoming, you know, that in, in actual history, stepping out of eternity, where there is no beginning and no end. I says he's stepping into actually the timeline of human history because people mean so much to him and God has now decided as Paul writes in Galatians that this was the set time, this was the appointed time, the right time. And Jesus comes as we heard this morning through Tim's sermon, he said at one point a baby, a toddler, a teenager, a young man, it says, comes to the age of 30 and then goes out to, to preach. He has the array, the full array of human emotions because we read in the Gospels that he's hungry, that, that he's thirsty, that, that, that he's upset, that, that he shows compassion, that he has all these human emotions and all of these things on his journey because he, he, he's there and no, he understands because he knows everything. He wants to be compassionate and sympathetic and empathy towards the people, towards us. As he looks out one day, he sees the people and he says, and he says, he says he's filled with compassion because they're like a shepherd without, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Nobody leading them. There's nobody showing them. There's nobody telling them that, that, that they're loved, that they're special, that, <clears throat> that there's a purpose to their life. Nobody's showing any compassion except for Jesus. And this is where uh, this idea of him being God with us, you know, and, and, you know and, and I thought Tim made a great point this morning when people ask sometimes those daft questions and I could relate you know, totally, because people have asked me name, you know, Adam's belly button and all of that. Some of you actually went home this afternoon and Googled, did Adam have a belly button? I bet you did, like. And it says, and ask those questions and that. And, and, and I remember being at Bible college and had to write a, an essay on, on, on this. You know, but how did God you know, become a man, and there's a whole theory behind it, and you had to sort of write uh, on it, and, it were, and I thought to myself, I remember going to the lecturer, and I did this several times, which was, listen, I don't understand what you're saying, so I spent three years doing that, to be fair, you know, I don't understand, you know, what, what it, because he says that there, there were some things that we, are, we don't always understand in the Bible, but they're just there for us to believe, we just know that God sent his son and he was one of the trinities, Jesus, the son of God. And he came and he's there and he grows up as a human. And we don't always understand everything that happens, but we read it as truth and believe it. Because to try and explain something that is not always 100% explainable just ties us in knots. You know, when we come to Christmas, the heart of the Christmas story is that God became a man. He was called Emmanuel, which is God with us. 
and the journey that he went on. And, and Max Lucado writes this, and I thought this is a great thought, of Bethlehem, he became God with us. And Calvary, he became God for us. And Pentecost, he became God in us. And, and in that example, it just tells us, why did God do everything that he did through his son? Well, it was just simply for us. It was for us. You may sense tonight, or you may feel tonight, or you may think to yourself, yeah, that's not for me. That's, that's for the religious people. That's for these churchy people who got their hands in the air singing, and this could be a bit weird, this could. He said, no, this is exactly for you. He says, yeah, everything was about you. The sending his son uh, there at Bethlehem, he became God with us. At Calvary, he became God for us as Jesus died on the cross for our sins, saved his people from their sins. There was no other way it could be done. There was nothing else that could be done. It was the Calvary, and it was a demonstration of how he became God for us. And then at Pentecost, he became God in us, which is the Holy Spirit in us, which is how we live our life, which is given the strength and, and, and given the power and the enablement to live the life that God wants us to live, everything is about us. Uh, you know, everything. We sometimes think, hey, what is that selfish motive? It's not a selfish motive, it's God's motive. He just wanted to make it all about us. It's why he gave his son Jesus. He could have done so many other things. And Matthew quotes here from, from Isaiah and he simply says that uh, this miraculous pregnancy this virgin birth as we call it was actually what God had promised and he says this was written so this would be fulfilled it was something that was said in the past that was fulfilled here because we've said and I've said so many times uh, that God always fulfills everything he promises if he promised it in the old it's fulfilled in the new and here we see in this passage that he says that the word Emmanuel declares the presence of God with his people in, in a way that's altogether new. He simply refers to his deity, the God with us. It's a difference between us and other religions. He says his personal relationship that we can have with God. He says let's not underestimate this. He's not distant he said, if you went to the furthest point of the universe, that God is there, but he's also here as well. He's transcendent in that he covers everywhere, but he's also near as well, that he's in here. And he says, so he refers to his deity, that this was God. I mean, it would have been easier for God. Could he just send a representative in the sense of, I'm sure we had a few spare angels. I'm sure there was another way he could do it and stuff, but no, he gave that which was most precious to him, which was his son, Jesus Christ. So it refers to his deity, that God is actually coming among us, but then it refers to his identity as well. He says, God with, if you're with something, it's identity, isn't it? You know, it says, I, I, I'm married to Athena, I, I'm with Athena. You know, that's my identity, you're with it. It, it tells you who you are and stuff as you do. You know, that, and this is what happens here, it's identity. That God was saying, actually the best way to do this is, is me sending my son and, and he's with people. That's the thing, when we read the Gospels, when we read the New Testament, he's God with us, it's the stories. 
He's traveling around for that time and he's healing people and he's helping people and he's preaching the good news. He's with the people. He's, he's not somebody that, that, that's unapproachable. He's not, I mean, today we wouldn't understand this. That there's somebody famous today. They're surrounded by bodyguards. I mean, even Christian preachers as well. I've been at conferences where you know, the preacher comes out. It's all these big, baldy-headed bodyguards. Sort of, sorry anybody who's a baldy head in here, but you, <laughs> you could be my bodyguard. Eh? <laughs> and even them as Christian preachers there, they're keeping everybody away, you know, because they're, they're, they're out. I mean, you know, they're not approachable at all. I mean, you know, you'd walk to go near them even as Christian, but before, you know, somebody's done a Bruce Lee on you, over and down because you got too close to the person and stuff. Jesus, near. He says he was approachable. People asked him questions, interested in the individual. If you go through the Gospels and look at his, the, the stories in the Gospel, he, he, everything's not a crowd of 5,000. He'll come to a blind man who can't see. I'm sure there were lots of blind men, individual blind man. What do you want me to do for you? Well, I can't see. He heals him. The individual. That's what it means for, to be God with us. He says he's rescuing people out of their circumstances and their situation. And the final one, he says he refers to his nearness, which I've really touched on. He says God with us. He says it was so important for God to come to us. He became one of us. He says he took nothing away from who he was as God, but he just became one of us. It became, and he knew where the journey would end at the cross. But it was us, two letters, one word. Us is what it's about. You see, God didn't stay away off in heaven, but came down to live among us. John opens his gospel up in chapter 1, verse 14. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He, he lived among us. It's Jesus. Jesus promised his disciples in John 14 before we go to the cross, I will come back to you and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. It's with us. It says, Revelation 21 verse 3, right at the end of the Bible, says God himself will be with his people. Why does it say God himself? Because God didn't just send a delegate, a representative, Somebody just to speak on his behalf. It was his very son. It was the son of God. He says he didn't just send down the angel Gabriel to speak to him. He says Emmanuel doesn't mean us with God. It means God with us. Somebody wrote this and said in the light of nature we see him as God above us. And you can see God's handiwork in creation everywhere. Because Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. If we look at it in the light of the law, we see him as God against us because that was the purpose of the law that nobody could keep it. In Romans 3 verse 20, Paul writes, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather through the law we become conscious of our sin. There had to be somebody that dealt with our sin because the law couldn't do it all the Lord did there is we were conscious of it we were aware of it we did not have the answer for it till God sent his son Jesus and in the light of the gospel we see him as God with us that's the name Emmanuel
the emphasis on the nearness of God. Christ's birth brought the infinite holy God within reach of us, finite, sinful man. God came to live with us so we could live with him. Son of God became a son of man that he might change the sons of men into sons of God, sons and daughters who can now draw near to God with confidence. If you're sitting here tonight and thinking, God couldn't love me, he couldn't forgive me, actually, he does. He does. That nearness, that purpose of sending his son, Jesus, is there. As you can approach his throne of grace tonight, because he is Emmanuel, he is God with us. And you see, we see this here, C.S. Lewis says it this way, he says, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. That's the opportunity presented through Emmanuel, God with us. That actually for us, we have that opportunity. For those of us who have taken it, we've sat and listened to a similar message, thinking God wouldn't do that for me, or God couldn't do that for me, but God did it for you. God did it for me. And that realization as our hearts are open that we can approach the throne of grace. Not because of anything we've done, but simply what God has done by sending his son. See, whatever is happening to us tonight, whatever we're going through, it says we have to understand this, that Jesus came to suffer with us. It says, as you look at the life of Jesus, it says in Hebrews, he's tempted in every way. Yet he did not sin. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. So everything that we're going through. He says he understands what it is to be tempted. He understands all the stuff that we have spoken about at the beginning. About the way that you can feel the, the grief and the sadness. The loneliness and the abandonment. He, he felt all of that. He came to suffer with us. Because it moves us on to the second thing, which I've just mentioned that he simply came to suffer like us. Lonely, forsaken and persecuted. But finally he came to suffer for us. Which is just simply the story of the cross. It's why Jesus went to the cross. That our sins would be forgiven. For there was no other way they could be. And God doesn't do it as a marking exercise. He did it because he loved me and he loves you. And you have to ask yourself tonight that question if you're sitting in church tonight and saying to yourself, what is it that stops me coming to a loving, forgiving God who gave his son for me, who paid the price for all the things that I've done wrong? What stops me tonight? And only you can answer that question. But the promise of Jesus in Matthew 1, he says he came to save people from their sins. Yours individual. Nobody else can do it for you. Preacher can't do it. Parents can't do it. Nobody else can do it. Simply God himself in sending his son Jesus with the purpose and the mission that his son would save people from their sins. Yours individually. It says as we come to finish tonight, it says the team are going to join me on the platform because so I was looking at this and we've done a mixture today of what we call Christmas carols and some worship songs, but they're all worship songs. And he says, not always sure why I understand we keep some of these wonderful carols just for Christmas because they contain some amazing truth 
about who God is and what God has done. And as they finish, they're going to sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Because there's a line in it that says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. What he's done, he's done for you. When sending his son Jesus, it was for you, as, you are, as if you were the only person in church tonight, as if you were the only person tonight, and there is a light that shines from God down into your life, into your heart, that simply says, I did all this for you. I sent my son Jesus for you, for I loved you, and I have forgiven you by sending my son to the cross. Now you have to ask yourself, what do I do with all of that? He says, listen, the best thing to do with it, accept what he's done for you because he loves you. That's Emmanuel, God with us. That's what begins a relationship tonight with him. That's what begins tonight as you come and you look at it and say, I've tried everything else. I've put my worship into everything else and nothing has filled me up. But you look at it tonight and say, I can worship God and give my life to God. Let us pray before the team leads us. If we can help you in any way, then we will be there at the door, the prayer team and myself and we would love to talk to you more and pray with you more father we come before you thank you for sending your son jesus thank you for the truth of those three words god with us the heart not just of the christmas story but of your purpose and father we thank you that he was sent to save us from our sins and so, Father, tonight, if there's any in here, we pray tonight, Father, you will continue to speak to their hearts. Thank you, Father God, for all you've done for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, I invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to close by worshiping together. <laughs>
Thank you that you're with us, God. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. 